Hey, hey, this is DJ Kirkbride. I'm the co-writer of The Once and Future Queen, and you are listening to 10Pod Radio. Welcome to Shortlisted, the podcast where we take a top 10 list from the internet and talk about it for 60 minutes. We just set a timer, talk for an hour, and then shut up whether or not we've made it through the list. We're not exactly racing the clock. We're just shortlisting the facts. episode is top 10 celebrity publicity stunt and it is on uh, top10s.net in the media hungry world you need to stand out from the crowd to get attention publicity stunts are seen as the answer for many individual celebrities and organizations the motive for a celebrity publicity stunt may be to resurrect a career or to give a boost to the latest project for protest groups, it's an opportunity to get a political message across. Serious or fun, publicity stunts grab the headlines. And the first one is Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson was blessed with a handsome face and a fine physique, but being a Hollywood star in the 1950s brought its problems. It wasn't acceptable to be a gay man, and Rock was forced to hide his sexuality from his fans. In 1955, Confidential Magazine was about to print an exposure of the actor's personal life, and his career faced ruin. Rock's agent, Henry Wilson, responded by revealing scandals on two of his other clients, Rory Calhoun, a prison sentence, and Tab Hunter, arrested at a party. These were lesser stars and were thrown to the wolves to save Rock. A publicity stunt was also needed to reinforce Rock's macho image, so a marriage was arranged between Rock and Wilson's secretary, Phyllis Gates. The marriage lasted three years, but served its purpose. Phyllis Gates' motives for marrying remained unclear. Well, they were probably money. <laughs> I, that That's my thought, definitely. Um, or maybe even just a little bit of, like, you know, fame and notoriety, being married to a, a famous star. Um, actually, so this one's not fun. Like, this one makes me mad. <laughs> well, I remember, like, when like when it was announced that he had AIDS, mm-hmm. like I remember I was young when it happened, but I remember like so many people were just like stunned. They're like he he's gay. Like it was a big deal to a lot of people older than me. I remember it when I was little. Right, which I I get that that was a thing. Actually, where I live, that is still a thing. Um, but but it sucks. Like yeah. I hope that she knew that she was absolutely 100% aware of what she was getting into and that she, you know, wasn't under the impression that he was attracted to her. Well, during, like, the so-called golden age of, like, Hollywood and stuff, there was a lot of marriages for different reasons and several, like, for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a podcast, I don't know if you listen to it, called uh, Just Remember This. I don't. I don't know that I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a podcast where she, uh, the host talks about, like, uh, the golden age of Hollywood. It's really good. I'd, I'd recommend anybody checking it out. But it explores some stories about some actors and cover-ups that happen. The The press would actually cover up the stories a lot more back then. Which is just crazy, because that's the opposite. Now they just make up stories. Yeah. But that's crazy. Yeah, and I also remember, like, and this is, like, just something that stuck in my head as a kid, a lot of the really bad and gross jokes about him when it came out, and, like... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because he was probably the first, if I ain't mistaken, the first high-profile, like, celebrity that had AIDS. Right. Like, probably the biggest name people was probably him, and then later, Magic Johnson. Well, he, Magic Johnson doesn't have full-blown AIDS, has HIV. Right. those were, like, the big names, and, like, sometimes it takes that in public eyes for people to think of something being serious. Yeah, yeah. Or not just, like, dirty and secretive and whatever else. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. Their wedding photo that's on this article, though, is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I love old Hollywood movies. I don't know if you watch a lot of old movies. Like, Mar won't watch anything, basically, if it's in black and white. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, I, I've always loved old Hollywood movies, and there's a lot of really good Rockettes and movies I love, and I still watch sometimes now. Yeah. I just don't watch a lot of movies, honestly. I, I don't think I have the attention span for them. I like to put on a TV show and let it run in the background while I do other things. But a movie is just too much of a commitment. <laughs> yeah, you sound like Marge. She'll sit and be watching a movie, and then she'll be doing something else, and then she's like, well, why'd this happen? I'm like, well, if you were being paying attention. She's like, well, I was counting stitches. I couldn't pay attention at that moment. Yeah, that happens. I think. <laughs> uh, it does. I know exactly how that goes. 
Yeah. That's why you have that like five to 30 second rewind button on your remote, right? So that you can pause your counting and figure out what's going on with the movie so that you can resume your counting. <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, with this group of 10, I actually like that it's kind of eclectic in a way. Like it with really the, is. Like the next one with the Sex Pistols. Right. Yes. Yeah. So the next one is the Sex Pistols. Um, it was 1977 and the Silver Jubilee celebrations for the 25th anniversary of Queen Elizabeth's accession to the throne were in full swing. The Sex Pistols single, God Save the Queen, offered a punk alternative to the festivities and was selling well despite being banned on many radio stations. Their manager, Malcolm McLaurin, and the Virgin Record label hired a private boat to sail down the River Thames on which the band performed while passing establishment buildings such as the House of Parliament. The stunt was designed to imitate the Queen's procession on the river scheduled in two days' time. It got more publicity than they had bargained for when the river police forced force ordered the boat to dock and arrested the band members and McLaurin. <laughs> Which, I mean, any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> well, if you're a punk band, probably getting arrested probably would be the best thing for you. Yeah, right, is actually a good thing. Um, this one was the one that I, I was looking up so that I could say it correctly, but when we did the list of, what was it? Oh, the... Um, the top 10 places on earth that you can't visit yeah. that are banned or, or whatever. One of them was Buckingham Palace because of um, Fagan, mm -hmm. who broke in to see the queen because he wanted to tell her all his problems. And then we actually did that on Crime Crazy, too. But he performed in a, with a cover band and did a cover of God Save the Queen because he had, you know, broken in to see the queen. So that was a funny, a funny thing. I thought that was kind of a neat connection. Everything is related. I would have to make it clear that I actually do own a Sex Pistols shirt. I did went through it. I did go through that phase where I was like, I love the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have ever listened to them at all. I'm, I'm sure I've heard things, but I, yeah, not the so much. The story of, like, the band members is really interesting, too, if you get into stuff about, like, Sid Vicious and, like, the whole story with Sid and Nancy, like, their deaths and stuff it's really interesting huh yeah i definitely don't know anything about that there's, a, <laughs> there's a movie with uh gary oldman mm -hmm. where he played sid vicious in a movie it's worth checking out it's actually pretty oh cool is it um sort of autobiographical or is it more like is it a true story or like a reenactment kind of thing or is it well it's like it they romanticize some of the like the the, the drug use and everything in it mm. so it's not totally like accurate to what a lot of people who was around at the time would say was real but it's not bad and then it, it can if you read up on it it's like really interesting too you find out about like his relationship with nancy which i don't know if they were married or not but they were really big drug users and stuff and Sid Vicious was like the total punk scumbag type person mm. so, so like he's more of an image of like what punk actually was than like uh Rotten which is the lead singer of the Sex Pistols which is he was more he would say that but he does more stuff for commercial like you can always right. see how he's kind of fake in that way right it's just an act yeah but the self-destructive chaos anarchy thing is like this whole Sid vicious nancy story it's it's worth delving into if you're interested in that type of like human behavior and stuff like that right that's pretty cool i feel like it would be depressing i always find that kind of self-destructive especially coming at it with like the whole dramatic irony lens right where i know it's not gonna end well yeah. i know you hurt yourself um but but that is very interesting um all right ready for the next one yep all right michael jackson get down there there's a whole video with this one um all right we are back on the river thames the river <laughs> thames played its part again in a marketing campaign to sell records this campaign from sony cost 30 million dollars and was to promote michael jackson's compilation of hits history in 1995 a statue of the Prince of Pop was floated up the river and made a very surreal sight. The statue was one of nine identical ones, each measuring 10 meters in height and constructed from steel and fiberglass that were taken around Europe. I remember when this happened and stuff. Like, they, they were doing a lot of stuff. I think they had a big, huge Times Square thing, too, that caused a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, 
I, how old was I when this happened? Old enough to probably have paid attention, but not actually all that interested in it. But um, yeah, the picture is insane looking. It's huge. That's a huge statue. I think there's a huge, like, an actual statue to him somewhere in Europe. I forgot where it was. There's, like, a huge one. But, like, his, like, that history album's when he started doing his, like, dressing kind of paramilitary in a way. Right. And it was, like, really, because, like, a lot of his dance moves kind of seemed, like, marching in, like, Russia and different places. So I remember even, like, that being, like, very controversial at the time. Yeah. Pretty much everything about Michael Jackson seems kind of controversial. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, talking about somebody else whose life, like, is very interesting and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you deal into help. And sad. Yeah. None of those kids, like, had any kind of real childhood or anything. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, and there's all kinds of untreated mental health issues and but yeah. Um so I think that probably Michael Jackson was on my radar only because he was like the theme music for Free Willy. Have you ever watched Free Willy? Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> we used my sister and I used to watch that probably 10 times a day just on repeat <laughs> from waking till bedtime. Um, and so that, yeah, (laughs) that's the only thing I think about when I think about Michael Jackson, or at least his music, like, oh, I could sing you the song from Free Willy. Did y'all get excited every time that whale jumped over the boy? And tears, yep. (laughs) I think I probably had a crush on, what is his name, Jesse, or his little brother Elvis, one of them. (laughs) We watched all of the Free Willy movies. (laughs) Wait, there's more than one? Willie wasn't free? <laughs> uh, yeah, so then the next time there's like an oil spill and he gets trapped in the wild and they have to free him again. And wouldn't you know, he jumps over the oil spill. Um, because <laughs> that's what he can do. And then there's another one, but I don't think it has him in it. I think it's something, another whale or something. These are like, but it's just called Free Willy. These so are he like must... the Liam Neeson Taken movies. I remember if his family has to be taken. Yes, it just keeps going on and on and on. <laughs> it made money, and so we have to keep going. Uh, I, I think my first, like, encounter with Michael Jackson, I was never a huge fan of his, like, uh, I like songs and stuff, but I remember, like, when, uh, Vincent Price did Thriller with him. Uh-huh. Did the voiceover, and I'm a huge Vincent Price fan, like, I got, like, all his movies on DVD, I love Vincent Price stuff, but, like, I remember he did a narration for that one part of Thriller, and I was like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a Benson Price dork. I love Benson Price. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Ready for the KLF? Yep. All right. The thought of burning money is obscene to most people. I'm going to go ahead and say me. It's obscene yep. to me. <laughs> In 1994, Bill Drummond and Jimmy Cotty, two of the members of the Acid House band, the KLF, burned a million British pounds on the Scottish island of, is it Jura or Jura, one or the other, and captured the event on film. This was the majority of their earnings from the K Foundation, which they had set up as an arts foundation. The KLF were already notorious for anarchic stunts. People tried to interpret the shocking act. Was it a piece of performance art or a serious political statement? Drummond and Cotty have said that it was about controlling money instead of it being in control of us. Which is all fine and good, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, but it is. Like, I can understand most, like, artistic political statements, but that's like, okay, burn, like, a $100 bill or something like that. If you want to go that far, you know what I mean? But, or fake it, put, yeah. put $1,000 on the top, and then... <laughs> yeah, that's no... That's privileged political statement right there is what that it is. It really is. It really says more about them and their privilege and their, like, I don't even know, than it says about anything else. This reminds me of a story, like, my dad used to be a truck driver, and he would drive different things. He was, like, an independent truck driver. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, he would get hired to do stuff, and sometimes he'd do government jobs. And every so often, he wouldn't know what he was hiring. They wouldn't let him know. Or they would tell him at the very end of it. Right. One, one time, he was hired, uh, uh, was transporting cargo, and when he got to a place, they were like, do you want to know what you were hauling? And he was like, yeah, what was it? And they said it was money to be burned. His oh, tractor and truck, yeah. every inch of his tractor and 
trailer is filled with like basically blocks of compressed bills to be burned. Oh wow, that's crazy. I yeah. I mean, I guess it probably it makes sense that they wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to know that that was what I had in my truck or not. Because what (laughs) somebody else knew and I didn't. Like I feel like that's significant danger they put you in. You need at least an armed guard with you. Well, it's like stuff that goes on trains, and yep. like we had nuclear waste and everything going on trains through towns, and we don't really know about it. It's, yeah, that's true. Well, there's a lot of that. That's crazy. But, like, it, it was money that was, like, damaged and stuff and needed to be yeah. burned. Right. Yeah, I worked at a bank for 10 seconds, and... Um, <laughs> I, we had to, every once in a while, we would get something and we had to make the call whether it was going to get sent off to be destroyed or whether it could still be in circulation, which apparently that's just a teller's job. Like the person who takes your money at the bank, they get to make that decision. (laughs) Yeah. I remember, uh, uh, my dad brought me back a thing from the place they took it to. I guess there's a bunch of locations around the country where they burn it. Right. But they had these pins and they were hollow pins, you know, nothing was inside it except for like, like chopped up bills and stuff. So you uh, could see that there were green pieces of like money inside of it. Right. So it's like really cool. It's like a pen. I had that pen forever, but I ended up losing it. But I remember that. Is that, is, all right. So money is made out of cotton in the States. Is that right? Or it's a cotton mix. It's like a, it's cotton, I think it's cotton fiber within, like, the the actual money, like, paper, mm-hmm. it's like, you can't even have it. It's illegal for anybody else to own. It's like, sir. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, is it something that can be essentially, like, mixed with a bunch of water and pressed back out into paper? Like, could you have taken, if you were a really great forger, could you have taken the contents of your pen and made it into currency again through some sort of process? I don't know. I worked at a print shop one time, and they did government work, and they mm-hmm. would print different government documents. And we would use special inks for some of the stuff and special paper. Right. We had yeah, to document yeah. every bit of ink, every bit of paper that was thrown away, like when you like have one go through bad and everything. Right. And, like, I was always like, well, what could you actually use this for? And, like, like people were like, you never know. Like, like I talked to one of the guys one time, like, yeah. And he's like, well, sometimes, like, somebody will have a half of a bill. And they mm-hmm. might only print half of the bill. And they'll go in somewhere with half of the bill that looks good and half of it's a really bad phony. Yeah. But they'll have it folded so nobody will notice it. Right. And you can still pass it off. Yeah. So, like, yeah. maybe if somebody could put something together from that, maybe they could do something with it. I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tape it back together. I'm just wondering if somebody... Well, like multi, like recycling paper? Right. If somebody could order a case of those pens of destroyed money and make it into the paper they needed for one of the components. I mean, you'd still need a ton of other illegal things. I wonder if you, they even do those these days, though. I don't know. Because, like, there's so much stuff, like, like counterfeiting things and stuff now that, like, I, I wonder if they would even make those. Right. You know, you know, for some reason, my brain, and it might be because I worked too long today, just <laughs> the pens I used to get in truck stops when I was little, too, those ones that you shake and people's clothes fall off. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen one of those? I don't think so. Okay, when I was little and I'd ride with my dad when he was a tra- drove a tractor and trailer, truck stops were not the best places for kids and stuff. They weren't like now were like great places to go into. So I would go into them and sometimes I'd buy, my dad would give me some money and I'd buy different things and some of it he'd end up taking away from me later and stuff. Oh my gosh. But they used to have these pens where, and you probably find somebody talking about them somewhere online, where if you shook it, it like had a picture of a woman in a bikini. And sometimes okay. a man in like bikini shorts. And if you shook it, their clothes would just fall off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like a porn pen. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I remember that my brain went to that all of a sudden. I was like, oh, I remember getting those when I was a kid. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't turn the contents of that into money. Or maybe you can, just a different process entirely. <laughs> wow, on that note, <laughs> let's talk about superheroes. All right, the Fathers for Justice campaign. <laughs> this was not where I expected this episode to go. Okay. The Fathers for Justice campaign group began in the UK and has opened branches in other countries. Their aim is to reform family law, 
and bringing a fairer system enabling equal contact with children for mothers and fathers following divorce. The group has been involved in a number of protest stunts, including throwing purple flower bombs at the prime minister, but it was Batman on the balcony of the Buckingham Palace that made people smile or shake their heads in equal measure. Jason Hatch, dressed up as the crime fighter, beat security and stood on the ledge for five hours with his banner. There were no members of the royal family in residence at the time. <laughs> Apparently, Buckingham Palace has a real sketchy history with security. <laughs> I think it's going to be the theme of the, or, or this season of the show is like Buckingham Palace. I, yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, he's wearing like the cheapest Batman costume. <laughs> Not a good costume. I guess it's still impressive that he managed to get up there and stay up there that long. It reminds me of, like, uh, have you ever been to, like, uh, Hollywood? No. At California? Like, they have these, like, and I think they have them in New York City, too. Like, you'll find, like, these people, like, in, like, ratty old superhero costumes wanting people to take pictures with them. Oh, my gosh. We were in Vegas last week, and they were everywhere, and they were so terrifying. Yeah. Like, you go up, and somebody walks up to you, and you're like, uh, you might be dressed as Superman, but you look like an axe murderer. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, the costumes were, they were bad. They were, first of all, they were, like, off-brand. So they didn't quite look like what they were supposed to be. But, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He kind of looks that way. Plus, I think he might have a fanny pack on in this photo. Oh, I remember fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> I had fanny pack. <laughs> My mom recently wanted one and had to look everywhere to find one. They're coming back now, though. I know, I know. It's really a shame. There are lots of things coming back that really were better off dead. I got a notice on my Zazzle store, like, for selling merch and stuff. It was like, oh, do you want to put stuff on fanny packs? And I'm like, those are back. <laughs> right? That's a thing. I mean, they're convenient, but, man, yeah. They don't look good on anyone, especially Batman. <laughs> no. Batman has a utility belt, not a fanny pack. In this photo? No, I mean in real life. Well, uh, okay. Batman. <laughs> I can't, I mean, it's it's a small little photo. Let's see if I can make it bigger. Because I'm fairly certain he has a fanny pack in this picture. It's like teal. <laughs> well, he should have a utility belt. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a utility belt, but it's definitely teal. But then again, so is his, like, mask. So not not an authentic-looking Batman here. Plus, I'm <laughs> fairly certain that he's actually wearing Batman pajamas, So, which is good. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Here comes a terrible one, or a scary one. Um, let me see. We have the most terrifying photo of Trump. Okay. Um, business tycoon Donald Trump has faced opposition in his plans to build a resort in Aberdeenshire, Scotland. Local residents have been issued with compulsory purchase orders for their properties, but they're refusing to make way for the proposed 950 Holiday Homes Hotel and 500 houses and two 18-hole golf courses. Estimates for the cost of the complex are a billion British pounds. Anti-Trump feeling is high in the, is it many liberation group? They came up with a stunt to place Donald Trump masks on the faces of 20 statues, including the one of Queen Victoria in the capital, Edinburgh, and in Glasgow, Stirling, and Aberdeen. Yeah, and so there are a whole bunch of statues here with Trump's head on them. And, like, really, this one says something about bend over, Trump's a coming. <laughs> um, no to Trump's playground in Scotland. I Do you think that if we did this here, he'd go away? Does this work? <laughs> <laughs> Can we give it a shot? So, you were talking about creepy ones. I think it's bad as the, what, the pregnant ones may did somewhere. The pregnant one? Yeah, it's like a pregnant Donald Trump statue. Oh, my gosh. Did you see the um, the one in New York, the naked Trump statue? Yeah. It put up around election time. That was, that was terrifying, but also hilarious, but mostly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that this first one is such like a sort of sultry looking pose especially with his head turned all sideways looking at you that it's it's kind of terrifying mm. although really the one the one of him over the statue of the queen is not not any better <laughs> no 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 all terrifying yes well and i like the big plastic golf clubs that they've stuck on both of them it's kind of amazing 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I need to know if this one was effective. And if so, let's give it a shot. Yeah. This one. All right. So the next one is Madonna and Britney Spears. And it's the only one in this article without a photo. There's nothing for me to look at. I remember when this happened. Are you too young to remember when this happened? Uh, no, I mean, 2003, <laughs> I graduated high school, but I definitely, uh, I was just married and we had no money and definitely didn't have cable. So I didn't hear, like, I didn't, I didn't see it. I guess I heard about it. Um, all right, so one of the most famous kisses in the world appeared on newspaper front pages and YouTube to the delight of some and bewilderment of others. The news that Madonna and Britney had a full on-the-mouth lingering kiss dominated coverage of the 2003 MTV Video Music Awards. Madonna also planted one on Christina Aguilera, but that didn't get the same media coverage. Poor Christina. <laughs> It was so fake, though, like, even, like, the way it looked. Yeah. Like, it didn't even look like somebody acting or anything. I remember that from, like, when it was on. Yeah, I don't even think, I mean, I'm sure I could go look it up on YouTube now. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't know that, like, again, I don't know that I particularly would have cared. Well, it was one of those things, like, I think the media made a bigger deal, actually, than anybody else did about it, because... Nobody really cared. Well, I was just thinking, I, I wasn't particularly into Madonna or Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera or any of that, but, um, so, yeah. All right. I don't really have anything to say about that. <laughs> I don't really either because, like, I remember when it went, happened and it was like, okay, it looks so forced and, like, oh, look at us. Right. It didn't seem Just... like, like, for one thing, the Christine Aguilar kiss looked more like a real kiss than the other one. And the other right. thing, it was, like, so, like, obvious that it was, like, taking Madonna, who'd already been this controversial character, and these mm -hmm. two, two other singers who were trying to act more mature in a lot of ways. So they yeah. basically did something to, like, connect her to them. And it, it just seemed, like, too forced of a, a thing. It didn't... It was no kind of political statement. Even though some people try to say it was. It was right. just like, oh, we're going to use publicity to do this. It's almost like an insulting thing to anybody who, who actually is gay or would kiss on screen. Because it's like, if you have a, a, a really, like dramatic moment and then you had that be like popular even so a show like will and grace which had one of the first male on male kiss scenes ever right i did watch will and grace yes. there's something that i can, <laughs> I can yeah, relate that, that scene that happened on that show was way more of like a political thing and an important thing than the britney madonna thing which was basically like some publicity person come up with an idea it's like we'll have madonna and she can kiss you and kiss you and it'll end the show and it'll be big and that was at a time where the mtv movie movie awards actually got publicity too right and they almost always had some controversy at the end with the musical acts or something like that too so and it got very predictable and that's one of the times it did get predictable and i like and i like will and grace too by the way <laughs> yes <laughs> will and grace was something i watched a lot of <laughs> um but yeah that's a shame it, it just I don't know. I feel like all of those people should at least have been able to fake it, right? I mean, they're all decent actors. Well, I just think when you do something and it's purely for publicity, you won't, you can't even get into it as like an actor or anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Lame. Mm. All right, Greenpeace. Um. Obama on Mount Rushmore. In July 2009, 11 Greenpeace activists climbed onto the Mount Rushmore Memorial in South Dakota, which I almost got the chance to see once and then didn't, but I'm not bitter, <laughs> to unfurl a large banner with a picture of President Obama to highlight climate change. The banner read, America honors leaders, not politicians. Stop global warning. warming. This actually says warning, but I bet that it says warming. The sense <laughs> of timing coincided with the G8 meeting of leaders that was being held in Italy. Yeah, Greenpeace is one of those groups who, like, I admire some of the stuff they do, and but I think, like, and this is probably me getting off on a little bit of a tangent rant. Like, when they, they, they destroy boats, fishing boats. Yeah. Like, 
like I don't it's not good to overfish areas it's not good to you know kill whales for no reason really in modern age and stuff but you're not also getting a solution of what are you going to do for the people who that's their only livelihood right yeah you gotta think from more in one stance I think Greenpeace is one of those groups who at the core has got good ideas but they also are like well we don't care we just want them to stop fishing and we want this to stop and this to stop and it's like yeah but do you have a solution these people are feeding their families try to come up with something like that too plus if you're sinking a boat you're not doing anything for the environment either no yeah so this is a little off topic but that was always something that we talked about when I was teaching and actually my husband is, is still teaching at least for a little bit longer but um was if you know, if I need a day off because my kids are sick or whatever, our, our school district's policy is you don't take a day off. Like unless you are dead and in the hospital, it is irresponsible for you to take a day off. You are not supposed to use your sick days. Like that's not your time. And they're going to, the administration is going to do everything that they can to shame you into not taking these days off. And so of course, everybody's reaction to that is, well, yeah, I'm going to take off as many days as I am entitled to. Like, how dare you tell me I can't spend my time? But then the truth of it is, if you take a day off, you're not hurting your administration and you're not hurting the school board and the people who make these policies. You're hurting your coworkers who then have to cover your classes and do extra work and all of that kind of stuff. And it's the same sort of thing. Like, if you sink a boat or, or you know, hurts, you're not hurting the people who are responsible for making the decisions. You're hurting the people who are the ones who have to carry them out for whatever reason. Yeah, it's like there was an incident happened actually down here around the time I first moved down here where somebody went to a car lot with a bunch of Hummers and set them on fire as a right. protest against big guzzling vehicles. And I'm like... How is that actually helping? Not not in the least, actually. Yeah. And you've like us and you've hurt the environment even yeah. more. And yeah. And, and like you talked about, like I think it's the single mindedness people get with stuff and everybody does it with uh, especially political issues. And like you were talking about a work thing is a good example is like you think like I used to work factory work and most of the people hated it. Right. And they would do stuff to sabotage the product. Oh, yeah. And they thought they were getting back at the so-called man, the, the, the company. And then it's like, you're not screwing anybody in the company. One, you're making stuff harder for the people that work there. And two, you're just going to hurt the overall business, which is going to hurt more people than you. So you're right. not helping anybody or hurting anybody. Like, right. I, mean, I don't know. Like, the, the next topic I'll probably go off on again. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the next one is another group who's a million times worse than Greenpeace, in my opinion. Um, even though I agree with a lot of their basic tenets, but yeah. No, I get, and I understand too the frustration actually with both of these groups. Like, if you don't do anything, that's not better either, mm -mm. right? But if you don't do it right, and I don't know what right is, but if you don't do it right, you're not hurting, you're not hurting the right group of people, and you're not hurting the people who have any power to make a decision or a change. So it doesn't matter if you get their attention. Like, they still, it's still not going to be helpful. Yeah, I had a discussion with somebody recently about the whole thing of treating service people like uh, waiters and stuff well. Oh, uh, yes. And, and people were like, well, I hate the prices at this place. I'm like, well, they don't set the prices. They well, don't. I hate, I hate that they're understaffed and they can't do service. I'm like, well, they wish they were not understaffed. Like, right. it does you no good to treat somebody like that like crap because, like, they, you're not hurting the big business you're just treating another person it probably makes about the same as you do like crap <laughs> right right yeah and i mean ultimately the restaurant is still or whatever service like the business is still getting the money it's if you take the tip away from the server or whatever else that doesn't that doesn't even affect the bottom line like if you're going to spend your money there at all it's going to go to the business first and you talked about, like, educators and stuff like that. The thing that frustrates me a lot is when people go after teachers for some stuff. And I'm like, don't you think teachers wish they had smaller class sizes? Don't you wish teachers didn't have to ask parents to buy, like, paper towels and stuff and all this other stuff? Right. Don't yell at a teacher over that. You know, yell at your congressman or somebody over that. Yes. Yeah, in our case, uh, take it to the Board of Supervisors. Like, they're the ones who ultimately are causing the issues. I well, and then also the state of Virginia, but that's a different thing. <laughs>
I think, and this is going on a, another tangent, but I think, and this is not universally true, but in the United States, I think one of their is, our issues is a lack of focus when it comes to anger and rage. Yes. We do not direct it in the right places. <laughs> no, it's it's almost like a temper tantrum. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, which, you know, my five-year-old threw a great one tonight because he was upset that I was coming up to podcast and his dad was putting furniture back and nobody could play laser tag with him for 10 minutes and you know he had to wait and so he threw a fit and it was you hate me you you don't love me you don't want to play with me and it's like no that's not even the issue you're just having a fit which I would hope as adults we could not do that but apparently that's not the case yeah and I've even found myself like sometimes I'm like why are you so mad right now because like you're not doing anything to be mad at this person or be mad at this situation yes Agreed. I have to check myself a lot. Well, and a lot of times it's just, well, this person's easy to get to. This person is standing in front of me telling me the thing that I don't want to hear. So it, you know, you want to lash out, but having been on the other end of that, they don't, they're not choosing to tell you that thing. And if they are, fine, get mad at them. But chances are, that's not what they want to tell you. Yeah. I mean, like, you get yelled at for stuff and you're just sitting there, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree 100%. Guess what? <laughs> I can't do anything about it. So, All okay. right. rant Pe- over. Well, more rants probably later. I was going to say, now let's just pause and we'll pick it right back up. <laughs> PETA, which unnecessarily has been explained, people for the ethical treatment of animals, have been involved in several controversial stunts, which is an understatement. The I'd rather go naked than wear fur campaign divided opinion. Various models, including... Kim Bassinger, uh, Patty Davis, Christy Turlington, Eva Mendez, and Naomi Campbell posed nude for photographs, which were then put on billboards. Reality TV star Chloe, Chloe Kardashian also joined the campaign. The message was, be comfortable in your own skin, let animals keep theirs. I mean, I'm fine with this particular act. I don't care. Um, however, in general... <laughs> I don't approve of most of their things. Yeah, like PETA is just like you wonder if they're one. They're they're a charity, and there's some good charities that are like this. Where if you look into their profits, most of them don't go to anything that actually helps. Right. It goes back into the publicity machine. Right. So you wonder if that's all it's about in a lot of ways oh i feel like it definitely is i also feel like PETA often at least feels like just an excuse for people to throw temper tantrums Mm -hmm. for people to get angry and be mean to one another like you can definitely have these opinions about animals and yes we treat animals like crop especially food animals and, and testing and all of that but it seems like mostly what PETA does is throw temper tantrums. Yeah, and like PETA, a lot of their actions have been pretty violent in different situations. And like, it's like, well, you're not actually helping. One, you're making the calls look bad. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah. And two, like, well, the fact that PETA has had more kill shelters than non-kill shelters. Right. But they'll, they'll shame people who had to give away their animals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like for financial reasons and stuff like that. They're, they're, a play, they're a company or a charity that deals in absolutes but don't doesn't look at their self in absolutes. Right. Because they say anybody that wears fur is not even worth being alive. Or anybody that eats, like, certain animals are not worth being alive alive and it's like well you're setting absolutes here and that's not a good thing ever when it comes to anything really right <laughs> he says in an absolute <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i don't know, like peter's always frustrated me because i'm an animal lover and stuff and i donate to a lot of charities and, and animal charities but i don't think any of their stuff goes beyond publicity thing and also there's always the fact that like the the nude photos like that they've done basically of models of not having well not completely nude most of the time their hands are covering up stuff and all that right but but a lot of people's like well that's exploitative of women yes and And i'm sure that those women all look exactly the same body type wise yep and then when they did the attacks on people when they were throwing like the paint on them and stuff like that and it's like well then you're attacking people and a lot of people were actually wearing fake furs and not real furs but it's like i don't know yeah there's a lot of charities that drive me nuts 
mainly because I used to work in in with a charity, and like the bad ones make everybody else's job so much worse. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's sort of that way with yeah, anything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So my Amazon Echo thinks I'm talking to her, <laughs> um, which made me jump out of my skin. Um, there, there are a lot of things like that, but especially when you are being asked to give, not to buy something, but to just give money or give time or whatever to donate, right? And do something that's that's selfless. Just a couple of people taking advantage of that is enough to make everybody else not want to participate at all, not want to risk it, not want to, you know, make that sacrifice of their time or their money or their effort. And that just, that sucks. Yeah, and we're so obsessed with, like, especially in the United States, about the almost entertaining side of, like, charity stuff. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to use, for an example, like, military stuff, supporting the military. And most pe people support military soldiers and their families. But most people don't donate to actual charities that go to military soldiers and their families. They'll buy American flags. No money goes to soldiers or families. They'll put a light outside their house. No money goes to soldiers or families. But that makes them feel get better. And it's it like, makes them look better. Yeah, so you're not actually helping. And I think with PETA and stuff like that, it's like, oh, look at this publicity thing. And people are like, oh, I'm entertained by this. It's an entertainment thing. It's more than anything else. It's like their ads or their short films that they did and all this other stuff. It's an entertainment more than it is a charity. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Um, so this is also a little off topic. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I should have known this, but I listened to a Stuff You Should Know. Do you ever listen to Stuff You Should Know? Oh, yeah, I love Stuff You Thanks Should Know. Thanks, all those. So this one was talking about charities, like when you're at the store, and it's, you know, donate your change to such and such, right? Mm -hmm. So if I go to Walmart and they ask me if I want to round up to the next dollar for whatever charity, the whole reason that any company would do that is that they that money goes straight to them, if they donate it, they get to take it as a tax write-off for their company. Instead of donating their own money, they can donate yours, and then they get you know that as a credit instead of you getting it or whatever else. And so it's really just a way for them to make more money or to pay less taxes, essentially, which is something that I probably should have thought about and realized. But it makes me mad now whenever anybody asks. I want to be like, hey, you know what? That charity might be good. I need to do some more research, but I'm certain not giving to them through you yeah i mean it, it, it's like with like with like goodwill like i go to goodwill i don't know do they have goodwills i can't remember if they had goodwills in virginia or not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, have, uh, two of them in our town i think like goodwills are on the surface a very good charity and like people can go and find stuff cheaper there but goodwills are also a company that is able to hire people and pay them under minimum wage they're allowed to Oh. Because they're considered a charitable company because they hire a lot of people who are former drug addicts or some disabled people and stuff like that. Now, on the surface, that sounds great, but the Goodwill is also having stuff donated. They're not having to pay people full wages, and then they can sell that stuff at a huge profit, which they do a lot. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, and then, so we are actually getting ready to donate the world's worst mattress. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's one of those internet mattresses, actually a purple mattress, and I know that people love it. I hate it. It's like sleeping on a inflated air mattress, but that's another issue entirely. Anyway, uh, you when you buy one of these internet mattresses and you go to return it, you know, you get 100 days or whatever, you can donate it if your state allows it, and then they just reimburse you, which I think is an excellent program because the alternative they can't resell a mattress that i've slept on for a couple of months right so they'd have to throw it away so that's great um but the the list of people has to be pre-approved and i think goodwill is on that list but so is like salvation army and a couple of other sort of thrift store type charitable organizations and the other thing about that is some of their politics are very upsetting to me <laughs> That, you know, things that I wouldn't want to support them because of some of the things that they use all of this money they're taking in to support. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, and a lot of friends of mine's like, well, you talk about stuff when there's nowhere to donate. Most of the companies, I think, are at heart trying to do something good. Yeah. They just don't do it very well. Like, or like you said, they have some bad political views or stuff like that. Salvation Army has kicked out gay youths all over the place from shelters. Exactly. They and, are a hate group. And then, like, uh, a big one that a lot of friends of mine ran about is Susan P. Coleman. Like, mm -hmm. because not that much of their money actually goes towards cancer research. So a lot of people's like, well, not that much money goes. And you gotta be careful. Like, look into that stuff. Like, right. there's, like, in our day and age now, people should just look into if you're going to donate for a charity. Like, down here, like, we get hit a lot with hurricanes. And right. every year, people want to donate to the different areas where they get hit bad. You should be smart and learn where you're going to donate. Yes. Well, and also what to donate and how to donate and... I mean, especially with, like, storm relief and natural disaster relief and stuff. Yeah, because there's some of them, like, the stuff just sits forever in a warehouse and never goes anywhere. Right, right. So you got to yeah. be really smart about that stuff. But I don't know. Like, some of that stuff just gets me aggravated. Like I said, I think, like, people, the organizations, for the most part, have a good start to what they want to do is good. Some of them don't do it as well as others, just like any other company. And some of them aren't good at it, really. And yeah. some of them have, like, not very good uh, motives of what they do overall. Right, or they just have a few people who take over or are in charge who are greedy or sneaky or, you know. I'd rather just, I, what I always tell people about when I say something about PETA is I was like, why don't you go donate to one of your local no-kill no shelters? A lot of them need food. Like, they run out of food for a while. Or, you know, adopt animals if you want to from those shelters yeah. and stuff. Or pay the adoption fee so somebody else can adopt an animal. Yeah, that's a great one. Like, a lot of people don't think of a lot of times. Yeah. We have, um, we don't have, I don't know if we have any local no-kill shelters, but we have one pretty big, um, like, place that you can adopt animals, essentially, and they are a kill shelter, but they do also make a lot of effort to get the animals adopted. Like, I see a lot of very specific advertising, and they do, like, Facebook posts by the animals, and they have an Instagram, and they're really, really trying to get these animals homes before they run out of space and put them down um but they do a couple times a year a drive for adoption fees and all of that kind of you know support us kind of stuff which which is good i mean it, it sucks the animals most of them end up being put down just because they couldn't find a home but at least they make some sort of effort it's a lot better than just donating to some big company where you don't know anything's going to sure absolutely yeah i think almost always somewhere local you're more likely to get if you know the people and it's a small organization you're more likely to see your money and effort going to the place that you think it's going to go to mm -hmm. there's more accountability yeah i don't think we got one all more. right awesome we might even make it yeah <laughs> even after all, all right, those rants and yoko own i know <laughs> This was an hour of Aaron and Brian yelling about. <laughs> All right, here we go. Following their marriage in Gibraltar in 1969, John and Yoko decided to devote their honeymoon to campaigning for peace. This involved staying in bed and inviting the media and celebrity friends to their hotel room. The first bed-in was in the Amsterdam Hilton, and the second one was at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal. The Montreal Hotel Room was the location for the recording of Give Peace a Chance. Everyone gathered in the room and joined in the chorus. The anti-war song became an anthem for the anti-Vietnam War movement. I don't know if you're, like, a huge, like, Beatles fan, but I was, so, like, I read all about everything with them when I was younger. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, not so much. <laughs> I, apparently, I'm not really a fan of anything except potentially bad crime dramas and coloring. So and Harry Potter. <laughs> and Harry Potter. Okay, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. <laughs> it's true. That's what my kid is getting for Easter, actually, is a ton of Harry Potter minifigs. <laughs> Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't get into the Beatles thing either. Although our Bush Gardens up here had a whole Beatles section this past year. Like, all of London was Beatles-themed, and they did some pretty cool shows. Oh, that's cool. It's fun. Like, was... I think it was like, I think if you're a musical lover, sometimes, like, in, you go through these phases of, like, you might be a Beatles fan, and you might, or you're a Doors fan, or you're, you know, a Rolling Stones fan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I don't know what I'm into. I need, I need more 
I need to be into more things. I'm going to take some of these lists and like watch old movies and listen to music and (laughs) try to be a more well-rounded individual. Or you can be like me, like try to do everything and not get nothing done. (laughs) And then I'm going to start 15,000 podcasts and just spend my whole life editing. (laughs) Watch it. You'll hit that second one. Next thing you know, you're on your eighth one. I, you know, I am having a hard time right now doing the very, very little work that you make me do for this one and then (laughs) mine. And yeah, (laughs) I don't think I should start anymore right now. But, um, so yeah, so then did, let's see, so you were a big Beatles fan. This would have been before your time though. Oh yeah. 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 I remember when John Lennon got shot though. Oh yeah? What year was that? Huh? What year was that? I know that's a dumb question. No, it's not a dumb question. I can't remember now. I was going to say, maybe maybe it's not. I don't I think when, like, when I was really little, the two biggest, like, memories I have of, like, something in the media happening, one was John Lennon being shot and one was President Reagan being shot. Oh, wow. I remember both happening while I was in the hospital when I was little because I had asthma a lot and had to go in the hospital when I was little. And I remember both happening, but I can't remember, like, when. I think Reagan was, like, 80 or something like that. Yeah, so Reagan was before I was born, I think. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to stop talking before I totally embarrass myself with dating. Um, yeah. Well, that's one of the big things on y'all's podcast is y'all talk about, did this happen before I was born or before I was born? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Which one of us was not alive yet? Yeah. <laughs> this week I recorded with my husband, and so there was none of that conversation because we're the same age. <laughs> So I think we did pretty good. We got everything done this one. We did. We made it through the whole thing. And I think in an hour or less because we only started an hour ago. So yay us. Yay. We hope you enjoyed this month's show. We had a blast making it and we're grateful for all of our listeners. For all things shortlisted, go to shortlistedpod.wordpress.com. Shortlisted is part of the Tin Pod Radio Network. For more episodes of Shortlisted and other Tin Pod projects, you can visit tinuniverse.blogspot.com. If you're a fan of Tin Pod Radio, you can show your support by donating on Tin Pod's Patreon page. We'd love to hear what you thought of our show. If you'd like to give us feedback, your thoughts on this month's list, or your idea for our next top 10, email us at shortlistedpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out Erin's other project, Crime Crazy, a weekly true crime podcast. Find her and her amazing co-host Jordan at crimecrazypodcast.com. This is Erin Plyme and Jordan Middleton from Crime Crazy, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. The flagship show of Tin Pod Radio, Tin Pod is a monthly audiobook chapter series punctuated with exclusive artist interviews between chapters. Join us in the Tin Universe for novels, flash fiction, and microfiction from one crazed mind.